0: You know it was just the game we had to play and uh, you know I was proud of the way we were able to stay resilient keep playing. Um, you know again when your defense creates turnovers and gives you short fields you know it makes life a lot easier and we unfortunately did not capitalize on those enough but uh, we kept being gifted some really good opportunities um, and then it was great to be able to hit you know a shot down to Justin Jefferson down the sideline and uh, you know a few different plays here and there that uh uh, kind of got us back. There he in. is, Kirk Cousins. Where will Kirk
1: Cousins factor into the pie chart of praise? Made a couple mistakes. wasn't wasn't his greatest game. They won in the end. Pie chart of praise. Vikings nitpicks. Things we learned at NFL Sunday, and uh, maybe even some. Uh, what are we watching? Action on this Monday episode of Mackie and Judd. Vikings are back to five hundred. Federated Mutual Insurance Company is helping businesses. It's a great Monday, and Federated is pleased to announce My Shield, your personalized online destination. For risk management resources for your business, MyShield is available 24-7 and can be accessed from a computer, tablet, smartphone, or the MyShield app. MyShield's customizable dashboard organizes resources specific to your business on training, billing, employee certificates, safety videos, and much more. If you want to learn how Federated and MyShield can help your business, go to federatedinsurance.com and click on Meet MyShield at federatedinsurance.com. It's our business to protect yours.
2: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com.
3: We're definitely looking forward to, to going into uh Tampa next week and um, we just gotta we just gotta bring that fight that energy we knew we know it's going to be a, a a difficult game um, you know the game is not going to be given to us, so um you know we just we just gotta fix these mistakes and uh and, and just go in and do our job.
1: Justin Jefferson racking up. Receiving yards at a nearly unprecedented rate—the second most receiving yards by a rookie through 12 games in NFL history, gentlemen. And the Vikings, a month and a half ago, we're sitting here talking about can they finish like three and 13 and get the number two overall pick, and now we're looking ahead at a game against Tampa Bay in which playoff ramifications are all over the place. So for the sixth seed, not even the seventh, the, exactly the
0: sixth seed because
1: the Cardinals lost yesterday. Yeah. So uh, let's get right into it. We'll start with Judd Zolget Every Monday, I'm Mackie and Judd. And by the way, Vikings Ventline yesterday, uh, more spirited because that game was so much in question in overtime. But uh, Vikings Ventline available on demand on the Purple Daily YouTube channel, youtube.com slash purple daily podcast. Or if you want to subscribe to the podcast feed of Purple Daily, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com, what is
0: your pie chart of praise Mixed emotions, victory right? Mixed, because I, I, I felt like... The majority of fans were probably pretty realistic about that win, which was, well, they did win two or three on the homestand. It wasn't pretty, and that was very close, and if you play it like that against uh, Tampa Bay next week, you probably lose, but what the hell, it's still fun. Uh, here is my pie chart of praise for the Vikings, because they did win, and I have six pieces of pie. I'll start Ooh. at the top and work my way wow, down. I think there's a lot six. of pie. I think there's a lot of pie to go around here, including one very, very deserving slice. Number one on my list, getting 25% of the pie chart of praise, Cameron Dantzler, rookie cornerback. Cameron Dantzler had a great pick. Um, I believe, according to PFF, I believe he gave up uh, one catch for three yards, but on the catch he gave up, he actually stripped the Jacksonville receiver of said football. He recovered it, okay? Uh, his The two... Jacksonville miscues that Cameron Dansler forced led to 10 points for the Vikings. Uh, and his pick was the first by a Viking cornerback this season. Damn it, that's a good game. Rookie corner, Cameron Dansler.
1: He targeted targeted the most times, seven times, and only that one catch you speak of.
0: Why were you targeting Cameron Dansler more than Chris Boyd after you exposed Chris Boyd on the opening drive for a score? Mike Glennon, Doug Marone, and Jacksonville. Is can it you explain that, that to me? Is it possible that Mike
1: Glennon, because he just like hasn't played much in three years, hasn't quite gotten past the, like, oh-my-God factor of playing quarterback yet in the NFL? Where, I feel like, like he's past that. Like, most quarterbacks are thinking on that next level of, all right, who, all right, who's the weak link but out he did, here? Who can I explain? But he
0: did it. The, the scripted plays. It's just like, okay, Chris Boyd, in, in the way that Jacksonville was going in the first quarter, was on the right side of the field, right? Or, or Jacksonville's left side, you exposed him. So wouldn't you just keep saying, I'm going to turn to my left and look that way? I mean, most NFL teams you would just say, probably do that. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. Yeah. Most football teams Dantzler, would try to do that. Dantzler might not be terrible. Chris Boyd is off to a terrible start. You're, you're asking
1: a lot of rhetorical questions that, that have applied to the Jaguars for like two I know decades. I, I know.
0: You know, no. Hold on a second. 2017, don't forget the AFC title game was Patriots and Jags yeah. while the, the uh, Vikes were being blown out in... Philly, so anyway. And not
1: because of the Jaguars' offense that season.
0: That's very, very true. All right, so 25% goes to Cameron Dancer. 25% goes to and has to, and it probably should be more, but what the hell. Justin Jefferson, two targets, two catches, 12 yards for first half. I think we all scratched our heads and said, what are you doing here? Second half, seven receptions, 109 yards, a touchdown, a 40-yard catch, Justin Jefferson, 25%. The, this kid's incredible. I mean, I just don't mm-hmm. know what to say by now. For a rookie, I mean, we have seen, again, first-round picks, right? Cordell Patterson, Laquan Treadwell. I mean, Post Moss, Troy Williamson. Think about the first-round picks at that position who have failed miserably. <laughs> this guy from day one has gotten it. He's made, I, I really think he's made one Grave mistake, and that was the drop against Dallas. That's it. 15%. This might be too much, but he is the primary focus going into every game of the Vikings offense, and he stresses defenses out. And despite the fact that he played on a bad ankle on Sunday, he had 32 carries for 120 yards and 38 touches, a career high. Jeez, Dalvin Cook, 15%. He's the starting point.
1: What was the what, what were the Vegas odds on Dalvin setting a career high in
3: touches yesterday? Going into that game, with,
0: uh, with all zero. Just
3: dis- exactly negative zero point two. After Madison went out, I'm sure it actually probably went up. They weren't going to give Mike Boone all those touches that Madison. Would but have not gotten.
1: 38 touches. I actually thought they were going to give Mike Boone some touches. So did I. But
0: they didn't give him any, right? I don't think he no, played. He had zero carries. I, think,
3: I thought it maybe had a couple, but wow. Uh, Abdullah no, had Gordon. a carry. Yeah, Abdullah Abdu-
0: Abdu- Abdulla did. Cousins had three. So and and two, <laughs> Cook eight consecutive carries before Zim finally said all right Bailey go kick that 23 yard field goal only because only because Dakota Dozier right. is terrible you're right so that and that would have been nine consecutive carries
4: the rock knows how you feel
0: about pie 15% goes to uh, dalvin cook 15% kirk cousins so this is a game so Cousins threw a pick that I think was Cook's fault, because Cook didn't turn a- around, and it was definitely a communication problem. Uh, the fumble that Cousins going to be charged with at the one when the Vikings sh- should have scored really also, that for sure should go to Cook. But this was, guys, the definition of the type of game Kirk Cousins freaks out in, like it just goes crazy. And you're like, what yeah. just happened here? And he didn't. He didn't. I, I would argue he that play great, he but did he a did- couple times. But like
1: that, that interception, I agree. Why wasn't Delvin Delvin's turned around? Turn, they've got somebody but, but, screwed
0: up But he bad. wasn't turned around, and Kirk still threw it. Yeah. So right. he freaked out a little bit. But you have to anticipate that the guy is going to eventually. My, but my point is, in Cousins' defense here, my point is this is the type of game where the Vikings ordinarily or often it seems like would lose with Cousins, and we would all dump on Kirk, rightfully so. They didn't lose 15% of the pie chart of praise goes to the fact that that the quarterback didn't completely melt down. 10% goes to, and this is weird because they did give up the uh, game-tying score, the two-point conversion late, but 10% goes to a defense that, thanks to Jacksonville, forced not one, not two, not three, but four, four turnovers by the Jaguars, including the Mike Lennon throw that was picked off by Harrison Smith in OT. I don't know exactly if the guy ran the wrong route or what. But anyway, ten percent goes to the Vikings defense because they did maintain their wits enough uh to make plays to yeah. get the ball back. And then ten percent to reach the final here goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, just for being <laughs> you. One and ten, one and ten coming into this game. The Jaguars are the National Football League's vaccine for teams that need a boost. They literally—they are the COVID nineteen vaccine They're for the Vikings. Out.
1: Exactly right. Are uh, the Vikings? Are the Vikings considered like frontline workers in the must NFL? Be. Do they get the they first must be. the first round of vaccinations? But my
0: God, you know, I mean, this is incredible. The Vikings played what really amounted of two on Sunday—a horrific football game—and. I never really sat in that press box and thought, "Oh my God, they're really going to lose." <laughs> like I know ne- it's sixteen to six, and I'm like, "This is incredible." Because I think that they, I, I think that this game is loser proof. Yeah. So ten percent Jaguars, ten percent Vikings defense, fifteen percent goes to Dalvin Cook, fifteen percent goes to Kirk Cousins, and then the final fifty percent of the pie split between. Cameron Dansler and Justin Jefferson, two ro- two rookies who had really good days. Love
1: it. I've got I've got additional thoughts. The Rock knows how you feel about pies On some of these things. But just one quick note: I felt the same way. Oddly, as as muddy as that game was, and the Vikings get the ball in overtime, and then they just like crap all over themselves on their first drive, and they punt it away. And like in a normal game, it's like, wow, the Jaguars are going to get great field position. And have a chance to just kick a field goal. And at no point did it ever even cross my mind that they weren't going to just throw up on themselves. The whole time I'm thinking know, they'll, they'll either muff the punt or Glennon will get sacked or like something will happen. The Vikings will get at least one more shot, and and that's what happened. So yes, all right. So here's mine. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. By the way, Bears' vent line oh, is yeah. coming up shortly. Don't don't think that we forgot about Bears' vent line today. We've got some clips where yesterday's meltdown came from, courtesy of our friends. <laughs> in Chicago on the score on ESPN 1000. So stick around for that here. I'm going to bounce around with four pieces of pie, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to I'm just going to pick up where Judd left off. I'm actually giving half of my pie to the Jaguars for being a third-world country football team. <laughs> like think about all the things yesterday that happened. The Vikings were this is this all these classic trap game things. Vikings uh best remaining defensive player Eric Kendricks is doing Is it called the karaoke? Like the the step over thing. And he tweaks his his calf again uh, from early in the week. He tweaked it in practice. And he's just like out for the game 30 seconds before kickoff. Of course that happens, right? Yep. And then uh, the Vikings have a fumble inside the Jaguars five yard line. They throw a ridiculous pick six to start the second half. They fall behind by 10 points in the second half. All these things combined into a stew, and yet the game, like Judd said, was never truly in doubt for me (laughs) because it it was the Jaguars. So, I don't know. Uh, I guess the Jaguars have been doing this sort of thing all season because they've lost a lot of one-score games in which most opponents probably felt the same way. Oh, that was a little closer than we thought, but never in (laughs) doubt because it's the Jaguars. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, bouncing around here. You gave praise to Cam Dansler. I'm gonna save ten percent of my pie chart of praise mm-hmm. for ifadi adenabo. All right, no Kendricks, no Hunter, no Barr, no Michael Pierce, no Unique Ngakwe. It's just a bunch of backups and rookies and Harrison Smith, basically. Someone needs to step up. Cam Dansler stepped up in the secondary. Adenabo yesterday, according to Pro Football Focus, generated eight pressures. Eight pressures by himself against the Cowboys. The Vikings defense in total generated four pressures or five pressures or something. Odenabo on his own. He got home once for one sack, but eight pressures in this game. It was one of the best defensive line performances of the season in terms of rushing the passer. That's mm-hmm. going to go kind of under the radar because of the game that danceler had and all the other crap that happened. But Odenebo was great in this game, making life uncomfortable for Mike Lennon. 10% goes to Justin Jefferson for just being one of the best receivers in the NFL. <laughs> just being you. Just for existing. He gets 10% <laughs> of my pie chart of praise. And I mentioned the stat off the top. He has the second most receiving yards through 12 games as a rookie in NFL history behind only Odell Beckham Jr. And uh, and if you go back and look at Randy Moss's rookie numbers, like these are going to be a little bit different because I think Moss was more touchdown heavy, uh, but they're both going to be very similar. Now, I think putting up these numbers is a little easier in 2020 than it was in 1998 because you could just, it was harder to get away from the clutches of defenders in 98. So I'm not putting Jefferson on that level quite yet, but he is definitely on the level of the best receivers in the NFL. And getting him the ball as much as they did in the second half was a huge part of why they won that game. But, gentlemen, my final piece of pie The Rock knows how you feel about pie is reserved for the man. Oh, boy. Who on? once again overcame adversity? We got the hat back? Some of it was self inflicted. It's a new hat. But my guy. Hey, hold on. I got to see it. It's a new hat. Kirk Cousins has a new nickname, boys. Mr. Game Winning Drive. Yep. Oh, Kirky Boy has three game winning drives on the season so far. Yep. Three times as many as he had in his first. Two seasons as Viking starting quarterback combined. He had one game-winning drive in the regular season, yep. 2018 and 19. He now has back-to-back and three on the season, overcoming adversity, overcoming the cesspool that is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the vortex they pull you into, and completing a bunch of passes on the second over. We won't talk about the first overtime drive or that weird decision by Mike Zimmer. To uh and I'm saying Mike Zimmer because he's the CEO of the whole team. Yes. On third and one on the edge of field goal range in the fourth quarter, they throw a thirty five yard bomb to Adam Thielen, like some weird things going on. But in the end, Kirk Cousins gets the ball, throws yep. a bunch of passes to get the Vikings into field goal range. Yep. And then the Dalvin show commenced because they didn't trust uh Dan Bailey to get the job. And done. you get
0: you get the credit because you are the one that challenged Kirk. Listen, I mean, challenged, not Zimmer, encouraged. not Kubiak, none of those people, not Clint Kubiak, like Kirk who Kirk yells at now. Yes. No, no, no. Phil you Mackey. twenty
1: points, man. Yes, you gave
3: us a chance at the end, but I got three words for you. You like that, yeah. the- yeah.
1: Mister Game Winning Drive, Kirk Cousins, thirty percent of the pie chart of praise, and I will tell you, eight consecutive handoffs. No one's talking about the supreme concentration to hand off eight times perfectly with the game on the line in overtime. One mistake and the Jaguars pick that ball up and go the other way. Those
0: were perfectly executed handoffs. We saw it right at the goal line. We saw what happens when it doesn't go go right. No, I mean, did you see the form too
3: by Kirk? And and he he went up to Dalvin at the sidelines at the end and told him like, you got to put that ball. That's, you got, you
1: got, you, that's leadership. That's leadership. Communication. Accountability. Making sure that everything's Dalvin right. Dalvin said, no bleep, dude. But listen, Dalvin can be mad, but a great leader walks up and visually demonstrates on national TV. Well, regional TV. Yeah, I was gonna say. Very regional. Yeah, very very Jacksonville regional. TV, TV, and the yes, Twin they, Cities and maybe yeah.
0: Hudson. I love how
1: they had they had so Beth Mowens, I thought was <clears> I, I've never been like the biggest Beth Moens fan. Uh, give me Doris Burke when it comes to uh, the best women play-by-play announcers, but Jay Feely I feel like is still a little gun shy from that YouTube clip that keeps surfacing of him botching the Mac field goal, where like this kicker kicks a field goal like forty yards to the right, and he thought it went in and brought them to commercial break, all excited about the game being tied. Feels a little gun shy with his takes on these yeah. broadcasts, and then they had like two camera angles for the whole game. It was like public <laughs> access TV yesterday on CBS. They had like. They had like an overhead cam that was clearly yeah. hanging from I like the top of US the Bank Stadium. Spot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then they had the standard camera and then they had like a guy walking around with, you know. <laughs> you know, it was it was literally like, you know, Cable 12 doing that game yesterday, but Kirk Cousins. Yep. My guy prevailed in the end.
0: Kirk Cousins thrives in, in games that are shown in 100% of two markets. Yeah. That's what we know now. He is, the Rock knows how you feel about He is Mr. Pie.
3: Regional Television. Amazing. So, All right, Dex, what's your pie chart? Yeah, I got hundred percent to Mr. Game-Winning Drive? No, no, no. I got four pieces of pie. I'm actually going to start at the bottom and work my way up like a gentleman. Uh, I'm going to go with Cam Dantzler, the rookie cornerback, to start things off. 10% of my pie. Uh, the number one PFF grade for the Vikings on defense yesterday. A 93 grade. He only allowed the one reception. He forced. He had an interception. Uh, he was very impressive yesterday. He was probably the best cornerback on the field. And like Judd said, I cannot believe it took till week 13, 14, until a cornerback got in interception. So 10% of my pie to the rookie Cam Danzler. Kirk Cousins gets 20% of the pie. Now, this wasn't Kirk's prettiest game from a stat line as a whole. A 25 QBR. Actually, Mike Glennon outperformed him just in terms of QBR. But guess what? When the game was on the line, a new hat came on, and Mr. Game-Winning Drive delivered for the Minnesota Vikings. So, Kirk, you get you get some praise. Three touchdowns. You did all right. 7, 7.1 yards per attempt. Did you guys see what happened,
1: too? It, it looked on TV like there weren't any fans in the stadium. There weren't this um, time. But that okay. wasn't quite accurate because when the Vikings got the ball for that second overtime drive, yep. and there was a little tension in the huddle, and Kirk gathered everyone in the huddle and said, Hey, is
0: that John Candy over there in the first row? U.S. Bank Stadium? His t- teammate said, No, he's dead. Sorry. Is that John Candy? Sorry, that's not no. John. He's been dead he's got for He's over his years. eyes, but I think that's <laughs> John Candy. He's been dead Candy. for a good 30 years, Kirk. Let's get back to you handing off to Dalvin. Zim said you're doing a great job of handing off to Dalvin.
3: The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, the next piece of pie. 30% of the pie was the unsung hero, I thought, of yesterday's game. Yep. Harrison Smith, 30% of this pie. Look at the stat-stuffing line for Harrison Smith yesterday. Mm -hmm. Six tackles, half a sack, one tackle for a loss, two passes deflected, a quarterback hit, and a big-time interception. Wow. I mean, that is a quietly, just a very, very solid game. And him and Eric Kendricks are the leaders of that defense. When Kendricks pulls his hamstring, just like I do, getting out of bed in the morning, uh, Harrison Smith had to carry that defense, and it was very impressive. So Harrison Smith, 30% of the pie. Great job. All right, final piece of pie, 40%. The biggest chunk of this pie today goes to rookie Justin Jefferson for exploding in the second half. He finishes the day nine catches, 121 yards, one touchdown touchdown. Continues to be a humongous deep threat. Probably would have had a buck sixty if that uh, pass interference wasn't called on him either. He took things over. It is amazing watching this guy explode. <laughs> we got to talk about that play. It's been a, he's been an absolute treat. And I, when he wasn't going, when Kirk wasn't going to him in the first half, and that's what we were talking about too during the game. It's like wh- why is he keep going to Thielen? He keeps going to Thielen, but then he gives it to Justin Jefferson. Big plays happen. So forty percent of my pie to Justin Jefferson. So as a whole, ten percent Cameron Dansler, twenty percent Kirk Cousins. Harrison Smith, thirty percent, and Justin Jefferson, forty percent. That is my. The picture. Rock knows how
2: you feel about pi.
0: That that pi on Jefferson is exactly why you can always throw him the ball. He took the def- he had time. The game moved so slow to him. He took the defender and ragdolled him and threw him out of the way and caught the football. Was he really even that handsy though? It was yeah. very. It was oh, very, he completely very overpowered him. No, he gave him a. But he he's so strong, like this kid can do everything basically, right? So like he basically the defenders like, what happened, and Justin? Justin <laughs> he, and he caught the ball too.
1: Here's my question: I will not pretend you know like NFL scouting is an easy job, or that I have any clue what I'm doing. If someone said, "All right, here's the keys to the draft war room," like rank all the players, like I'm not. Yeah, I agree. I have no yeah. idea, but no. how is it that you can watch? And this is different iterations of the Vikings front office, but I know. Where how going. can you watch Troy Williamson and then watch Laquan Treadwell and then watch? And I get the Cordell Patterson thing, and he's become one of the great return men in NFL history, so I get that.
0: The athletic ability is off the charts. So and then you, you watch route.
1: Justin. So let's even take Cordell off the table. You watch Laquan Treadwell, and then you watch Troy Williamson. Total package: size, speed, agility, route running, hands, everything. Yes. And then compare those two busts. To Justin Jefferson, like Justin Jefferson, even in college, was putting up ridiculous numbers. You could just watch that guy in big college football games and say, "Okay, that there's something different about that guy." Sure. How do you, how like how is Troy Williamson drafted higher
0: than Justin Jefferson? I think like, I can. Explain it doesn't this. make sense to me. I think I can explain this. So on Troy, they got they basically he is why the combine is the devil because they basically saw him run and thought. There's no way that he can miss. And it's like, okay, have we really examined his ability to play, you know, the position itself? Right. But they looked at that speed and thought, oh, this is going to be incredible. But like they dismissed. But here, so on Treadwell, I think what they did, Phil, was I think they literally took what they thought would be the best fit for the third receiver. um, With a first round pick. With a first round pick. and a guy who didn't have really great speed but i think they thought he'd be a good possession guy with jefferson it's He'll the first... box
1: out on third down
0: but but this is what this is also why i object so strongly to teams that thinking that their psychological evaluations of players work because like with laquan if you had really broken things down and gotten into routes and stuff he wasn't that that great i think jefferson's starting point is yes he's a freak But I all, but there's also a really important conversation to be had about how much he does right, which we're just like, of course he does, he's a pro, but that's not true. There was also all these questions
1: about, well, is he just a slot guy? Is he just going to be a a, an undersized slot guy? It's like, uh, no. Have you scouted before? Like, how are these even? How how are these these huge questions even still existing? I don't know. It doesn't. But I mean, they're not anymore, obviously.
0: But if if Cordell could have run a route like really well, I would have loved to go back and see that now. Because I do think that athletically he is and was a freak. Yeah. So I think that he would have been great. Uh but yeah, it's just, but like these teams, to your point on what you're saying, these teams spend so much time like being like, well, we sat him down and we did this and that. And you're like, okay, then why do you have such big whiffs at times? And then you come back with this hit, which is humongous.
1: Yeah, I think the funniest thing about the Williamson pick is they got so obsessed with his straight line speed, right? Which you basically yeah. never use in the NFL as a receiver. Only after Will you've go, done, yeah? the only time you ever really use your straight line speed is after you've already caught a ball and then you're trying to outrun defenders. But all the things <laughs> but, that lead into catching a ball are the most important. And at that point, Randy Moss was probably at that point, the greatest receiver in franchise history. But the other guy, the the one B, Chris Carter, who the Vikings had seen for you know, 10, 15 years as this amazing Hall of Fame receiver, couldn't outrun a potted plant in the prime of his career and still managed to catch 12, 15 touchdown passes and go over 1,000 yards every year and catch 120.
0: And balls. on Troy, how do you not realize that he can't do the one fundamental thing that makes or breaks you, catch a football? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like before we talk about routes, can you catch? Not really. No. Okay, thanks a lot for coming by. Well, we'll try a Nike camp and see if you have, you have maybe your maybe vision. You have new We're going to blame it on your vision. That was my favorite. <laughs> so uh,
1: The other hilarious thing that we have to get to is the Bears blowing a double-digit lead with under three minutes to go yesterday. I don't think I've seen the Bears play
3: four quarters all year long. I mean, they would be amazing if they did. But uh, I don't know if it's a lack of cardio. I don't know what their practices are like. But they, the defensive
0: line, they, these guys are huffing and puffing the whole time. Uh, like you said, no pressure. And I'm just so tired of the soft defense.
3: Cardio. Cardio. <laughs> not Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> not Khalil Mack. Not naggy, not all yeah. these things going on. It's the cardio. When
1: I was watching Mitchell Trubisky fumble that game away inside his own 20 yard line yesterday, my first thought was, the
0: Bears look a little winded. I don't know. Winded. Why are they passing there, too? Like, what are you thinking? Don't Your don't run game actually actually worked. It's the Lions.
2: This is an absolute joke, as I've said before in this call. How many times you have... George Halas, the founding father of the NFL, the Bears a prideful organization in football and you've got this dismay, at the embarrassment of the McCaskies running this show. It's Gosh, just it. terrible. I'm sorry guys, I'm, I'm I'm just disgusted by it all.
1: Why do why are Bears callers cuz we we've done Bears vetline line for like 3 years now. I feel like a pretty healthy percentage of callers refer to George Hallis and like the the legend, founding of Bears father, of the national,
0: a, a founding f- father yeah. of the league. Man, I mean, they are. That's all they got right now. Yeah, Papa This team is not that far from the
2: Super Bowl, guys. Believe it or not, it's not that far. If you get the right quarterback in this, in the, in, in you know, got Derek Carr you know you got uh, Stafford i mean there's quarterbacks out there available for for you to get okay what? <laughs>
0: knows, you know the that's 10 old styles in minimum <laughs> derek Carr is available that's news to me and no he is not
1: matt stafford probably is available he probably will be yes i'm not sure if he's the difference between
0: the bears Going they're, to the Super Bowl, I
3: they're they're better team. I don't think they're in the Super Bowl.
0: So rage is gone. Like there there's no rage now. They're, they're so uh, bad. They're yeah. so bad.
3: I'm not hearing rage anymore. I don't think there was much rage. It Was just more of uh, frustration? And
0: disappointment. I mean, that was a loss, which I would have expected rage, but who knows. <laughs>
2: I'm done. Uh, you know, my family has season tickets. I, I live in Savannah. I'm not going to come up to games anymore. It's not worth it. I'm not going to travel, you know, to Nashville or to Atlanta, even three hours away. I'm just done. It's just it's it's painful. So I, here's my thing. I, I don't know if there's a comment, but we really need the team to be sold and and respect the McCaskies. We will always respect Hallis Hall, but it's time to move on.
1: another, one. Yeah, another one.
0: I think the McCaskey who runs the team now, who's like, she's like 90 or something, I think that's George Hallis's daughter. So I think that's the tie-in still. Like, they perceived themselves to still be from the Hallis legacy.
2: I don't want Ted Phillips. Fine. I don't care. Just get him out of the... For as long as he's out of football operations, Almost. I'm fine with that. But get a Bill in, somebody who could Bill stop Pullian. Ryan Pace from picking Mitch Trubisky, uh hiding it, and then, you know, and not getting Deshaun Watson or Mahomes. You need to have that top level to have that, you know, hey, why are you making this decision? Please explain yourself. And you better explain yourself well. Somebody holding them accountable, where McCaskey, that they're not gonna be able to do that. Ted Phillips is not going to be able to do that.
0: It's a lot of disappointment. Didn't no Bill Polian want to move Lamar Jackson to receiver?
3: Yes. Yes. Or tight end or something. Yeah. He didn't want to play quarterback.
0: So, be, be, in because, other words. Because he's
3: black. Let's just be honest. Yes.
0: Right. But, like, not that not. guy's suggestion was bring in Bill Polian so he can stop teams from making mistakes.
1: You know what, though? Think about this. If the Bears had Bill Polian and they had drafted. Pat Mahomes, think about how great of a tight end Pat Mahomes would be right now.
2: Mm. <laughs> Probably Alex go
3: Smith. for a 1,000 yards. Yeah, Alex Smith would throw his way. Alex Smith loves tight ends. I mean, he would be throwing yeah. them, them all day.
1: For sure. I mean, he'd be right up there with, like, George Kittle
0: Yeah,
3: as a tight end. Pat Mahomes, Irv Smith, you know, right mm-hmm. up there. Irv Smith, by the way, Irv, are you okay? I, I, I heard it was from that, that, that touchdown dance. It was his hamstring, right? No, it's his back now. It's his back.
0: It's. I think it's. his but back But did he now. get hurt celebrating a touchdown?
3: I think he did. <laughs> did he hurt his back celebrating a touchdown? Or I was, is, I, I, and I, what
0: was Kendricks do, doing? He, so he, he was, was doing a uh,
3: kick, uh, not kickups ups. Um, karaoke, karaoke's used to do those. It's like a standard one. You go, you go down, and you kind like of okay. This so light, that's just like, yeah, like, uh, it's like you're like, it's like okay, your hips, yeah, okay, like your I got you. Okay, so he's just trying.
0: Up. So he he was trying to get set for the game, and then it just sort of went on him.
1: Yeah. Yep. And okay. like literally right before kickoff this happened and the CBS cameras they just quickly got to it right before kickoff like oh, this just happened yeah. uh, breaking news best defensive player on the team <laughs> defensive player of the year candidate how they just out. Oh my god and it was and you know what actually go back to the pie chart of praise for just a second here I think we should almost have a new category where once we've given out our pieces of pie you know how there's always like remnants of pie still left right. on the bottom Some of crust. the baking sheet? Yeah. Who would then sort of get those remnants like a couple fork scoops full. And I might have to give that fork over to uh, not because he had a great game, but Todd Davis played every defensive snap at linebacker for the Vikings yesterday. Eric Wilson had the had the better game. He had the most tackles on the team and uh, and he had a good season. Todd Davis actually missed four tackles yesterday, but the fact that that dude 30 seconds before the game was yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to get a couple snaps today, maybe play some special teams whatever and like, no dude, you're playing 71 snaps because Eric Kendricks just hurt his calf. To have to go in there last second like that. I'm going to give I'm going to give a fork to Todd Davis to that's scrape up the, that's some of the, very nice the last of you.
0: scrape
3: of pie. The last scrape of pie.
0: There is no pie left in my pie tin.
3: Okay. The Rock knows I how got you feel about Those six pieces, pie. man.
0: I gave everyone a perfect piece. <laughs> uh, no pie. Let's do one lap
1: around Vikings nitpicks off yesterday. When they win, we do nitpicks just to keep it fair and balanced. When they lose, we do silver linings. Uh, Judd, your your biggest nitpick yesterday? Oh, uh, could also be broadcast related too. If there's nothing else, if you, I, you didn't listen to no, the broadcast, no, well, you no. Know, there, there was accurate,
0: pl- there was there was plenty, plenty else off that game. Since I'm starting, I'll, I'll go to the obvious place as if the special team struggles weren't enough already with Chris Boyd continuing to pick up penalties on punts and with um, bad snaps causing a change at that position and with more muffed uh, punts and fumbled punts and where do I stop as if that wasn't all enough Dan Bailey has to miss two extra points and a 51 yard field goal attempt that would have won the game late in the fourth quarter. What did Keys say on Friday? What was the number one key to this game? To making it, you know what? I'll cover the spread. You're playing the Jaguars. Make the, you know, win by two touchdowns and just go home. No more Marwin Magoofs. That's what Keys said. No more Marwin Magoofs. And Dan Bailey heard that, and he's like, "Oh man, you know what? I got to join the Magoof Club. I got to get on the Magoof train, so I will miss two extra points and a field goal attempt that would have ended the game uh, at the end or near the end of the final or the fourth quarter." My God, okay, that's a nitpick. That's more than a nitpick. That's a I just peeled off a scalp okay. from my
1: leg. So let me let me just. Let me come to uh, Marwin Malouf's defense for just a second here, okay? Um, yes, I'm the only one wow. in America that's doing this right now. Yeah, maybe his wife. I feel like <laughs> you got a hat. For <laughs> <Marlin's>, <laughs>
3: number one Marlin,
1: number one number Marwin Maloof. Fan. number one Malouf. I'll work on that for next week. I got it shirt. Okay. So, shirt My my question is, I it, 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 we do this all the time in sports. We're like in baseball. If the offense isn't performing after a month and a half, we fire the hitting coach. Or if 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 mm-hmm. Like today, the New York Jets just fired Greg Williams this morning, oh, nice. defensive coordinator. Yeah, because he called he a called zero it, blitz <laughs> in, in a, in a hail mary situation. It's actually hilarious. Like it's such a sabotage move. It's a move that you would make if you're trying to secure the number one pick. But of course, if you're on that coaching staff and you finish zero and sixteen, you're all getting fired anyways. So it was it was almost like he what just wanted out.
0: What was the spread of that game? That's my question now. I don't know. I have to look so at. That's it. a good question. <laughs> I have to look at it. Um,
1: and so, well, either way, I guess would the Raiders, so the Raiders won that game by three or four. If maybe so they, they couldn't maybe have covered, right? Oh, what if the Raiders were three-point favorites? Keep I'm talking. Look it up. Okay. Keep talking. I'm just interesting angle here. Um, we always <laughs> we special. fire the coach. What percentage of of the Viking special teams mishaps can be attributed to poor coaching and organization by the special teams coordinator Malouf? I don't think it's zero percent. I also don't think it's a hundred percent. If you're gonna hold someone accountable, it's easier to just get rid of him and spark a group of people than to get rid of a group of people, right? Yeah. So I guess I don't really know the answer to my question other than just like we're probably like Dan Bailey missing two extra points probably isn't Maloof's fault. But a season full of mental gaffes and yeah, the Chris, organizational Vo- the Chris problems thing is yeah.
0: partially coaching, right? Yeah. Um it's not his fault. But it allowed me the opportunity to work back in my magoofs line, which is gotcha. all which is all that I cared about here, okay, and plus it's two extra points missed and a field goal, and it was the one consistent, right like that was the one consistent special teams lot going wrong, but look at and I said this, look at Dan Bailey, he's been solid, misses three kicks yeah.
1: um, my biggest nitpick off that game yesterday, and it's this has been not just a a yesterday nitpick or a season nitpick. This has been a Mike Zimmer's career as a head coach nitpick. Late game management needs work. It's almost like he has continued to procrastinate, study late game strategy and theory for seven years. It's been on his to-do list and it's like, ah, sorry. I was studying the nickel tape for an extra 10 hours today. (laughs) Didn't get around to, you know, optimal strategy inside of two minutes and game theory. So, end of the fourth quarter, Vikings have a chance to win this game. First off, they burned all their timeouts before the 24-second mark. And so, when you watch a Patriots game, they're a little bit, you know, this season it's been up and down. They they kicked the crap out of the Chargers yesterday. But the one constant with the Patriots is Bill Belichick preserves his timeouts for the last couple of minutes. Because you never know when, like, what if you have to punt the ball away with 45 seconds left or something because it's third and 18 or fourth and 18? If you have three timeouts left at the end of the game, you have so many options, whether it's to get the ball back or whether it's when you have the ball, as the clock's ticking down, to use those timeouts when you need them the most. And when the Vikings burn all their timeouts before the 24-second mark, they're basically left with no options. Like, you have to either get out of bounds, you have to throw the ball, you can't mix in a draw play to catch the defense off guard. It just leaves you with very few options. So they're sitting there on a third and one with 24 seconds left on the edge of field goal range. And Dan Bailey's having a bad game. So you don't feel great about a 51-yard field goal in that spot. And as it turns out, he shanked it to the left, right? So of all the different things you can do on third and one in that spot, you could run the ball and then quickly spike with like 12 seconds to go. Then maybe run another play, right? Get get that first down, go. You could just run a pass play and probably still have enough time to gather, spike it, seven seconds to go or something.
0: But you're going to run, right? Because you're the Vikings and you always run when in doubt. And in a run play in that spot is probably the quickest way to then reorganize, spike
1: it quick, and leave yourself with like two or three more plays, right? Yes. Because everything's going to be close. Instead, you run Adam Thielen on a fade route 35 yards from the line of scrimmage. If he catches that ball, now they might say if he catches it, he's going to go out of bounds and the clock's going to stop or it's going to be a touchdown. Right. What if he catches it and he stays inbounds? The clock probably runs out in that spot. Right. There's also such a low percentage chance that he catches that ball. If it's Justin Jefferson, I could see it in that spot. Um, I, I just thought the whole thing at the end of the fourth quarter was like, what do you like? Have you guys put no thought into this at all? And why are you running on first down all the time? End of the first half, too. They, they just love running the ball in these urgent situations to leak 25 seconds unnecessarily off the clock.
0: So, anyways, back to the clock. Um, explain this too. How do you, not bleed that clock before the Bailey attempt down to almost nothing like Jacksonville shouldn't have ever gotten the ball back. Like how, how do you not, you mean like when they kicked it, when they, after the fade, when he, yes. Yeah. When he missed Jacksonville, got the ball back with 13 seconds left. Yes. And got, and got a 62 yard field goal attempt that could have been good.
1: That's another reason why you don't throw a fade on that play.
0: But my question is, how do you not get that clock? How does Bailey not approach that ball with like two seconds left Mm -hmm. in the quarter? So if it's good, it's over. You win. If it's not good, we're going to OT. But Jacksonville's not going to get some last gasp chance, which they did. And in 2020, a 62-yard field goal attempt indoors has a chance to be good. For sure. Like, this is not 19. 76.
1: Yep. Everything you're saying has to be thought about on first, second down, and then third down, but you're right. So it's third and one. And that's the other factor here. It's third and one. If you don't complete the pass and you don't, or you don't, I guess if you run the ball and you get stuffed and it's fourth and one, you can then still just run the clock down to two seconds to kick the field goal. And then it's either you win or overtime. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you decide to throw a pass in that spot, you better be damn sure it's a high percentage throw that you can complete. For that reason, because if if it's incomplete and you miss the field goal, now they can throw one pass and they can win the game. And that's what they and like did. it's like they don't think about it. It wasn't like Mike Zimmer thought about all that stuff and said it's still worth the risk. He didn't think about that stuff, and that's the type of thing that can like he is so ingrained in defensive strategy and being the best defensive coordinator he can be. He blows off important stuff like game management with a minute left, timeout management, and even in some cases, just overall offensive management. Uh, and those are the things that you have to be more in tune with. John Harbaugh is. Bill Belichick is. Those guys can sort of rise above
0: the weeds right. of their coordinator but job. But this is where my, my clock c- coach could come in, right? Ravens have one. Like, this is my clock coach time. Dude, the Ravens, where he says, Mike, I got it. The Ravens,
1: literally, if you watch Ravens games, and they are I think they're on national TV again this season. Mm-hmm. If you watch Ravens games, John Harbaugh in those situations literally has a guy that's, like, tapping him on the shoulder, like, John, John, hey, and he's, like, whispering in his ear, and John's like, okay, cool, and then he'll, like, he's got a guy telling him what to do in those situations, yes. some, like, 20-year-old magic player. It's worth it. Yeah, who looks like Declan like, with thick yeah, frames, like player, thats I mean,
0: but yes, that's exactly <laughs> wishes, my yeah, point.
1: Yeah, yeah. So anyways,
3: all right. The Rock knows
0: how you feel about pie.
1: You know, that might have been a little deeper than a nitpick there, but.
3: Go ahead, Dex. Uh, yeah, I'm going to save. I'm going to uh, save one of my nitpicks and put it into a statement for Purple Daily later today. So I, I, I really want to get it out there in, in that fashion. Look at that tease. Yep. Mm-hmm. But my nitpick will just be a pretty simple one. Just Kirk not going Jefferson's way in the first half. I mean, and I know it's this kind of a scapegoat, easy one to do. But but what? Just two targets that I believe in the first half for this rookie wide receiver, and then he yards, ex- and then he kind of finishes, both. you know, with ten targets in the in the last quarter and, and racks up over hundred yards. Go that dude's way, man. I don't know what it is about. Thielen that is just like this amazing security blanket with him, and Thielen's a very good wide receiver. Like I, I, I get it, but there has to be plays, and I'm not Mister Film guy either. But there has to be plays where Jefferson is open. There has to be, and it, it's just very frustrating him not not going his way in the first half. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, good stuff.
1: That was a good. That was
0: very therapeutic right there. Well, the clock thing is craziness. Yeah, yeah, and and this is Cause it's not that hard if you have a person who knows what they're doing. This is also where when we talk
1: about if the goal is a Super Bowl, we need to raise our standards for some of these things. And and a lot of times it's it's a conversation surrounding the quarterback, but the head coach definitely factors in there. You're you're telling me in a game against, again, if it's a Super Bowl that we all want to happen here, that means you're going to have to beat a team like the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl at some point. yeah, And you're telling me that, like, of all the things that you need to get an advantage on over Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid, that you can get leaky with your two-minute management in the second quarter or fourth quarter and still beat that team with that quarterback? You need to be precise and perfect in those situations.
0: Yep, and, and there's no, like, if you know or have a person clockwise who knows what they're doing, like, it doesn't take a great skill. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like, oh, my God, we don't match up when it comes to the clock, right? The Chiefs, advantage Chiefs, like, figure it out. Figure it out. But you would think that that the Vikings today would look at that game at the end of the fourth quarter and say, how on earth did we not attempt that field goal with almost no time left? Like, that's a big deal. Like, if ja- if Jacksonville makes that, the game's over and you lose to Jacksonville. It's a devastatingly awful loss because it'd be so ugly. But, like, even as that
1: guy lined up for that field Sorry, goal, I, just I was, bugs I, me. A few thoughts went through my head. Oh, interesting. They're, wow, they are going to line up for a field goal here. I didn't really consider that. Okay. Is this like a 70 yarder? Oh, no, it's like 62. Okay. It's pretty makeable. Yep. But at no point was I ever like, oh, my God. Oh, no. The Jags are going to win the game. I was, I was like,
3: were you? I was. Sweating. I just never was. At that point, I was, I was like, this is how we lose. This is this is, this is is classic. He's going to kick a 62-yard field goal to beat the Vikings. It's hilarious. Um, all right. God. By popular demand,
1: a lot of people have been asked, a, a few people have asked, like, can you just send me all of your songs by the U-Log? We did three albums of songs by the U-Log. Yeah. So we're, we're going to do a couple things. We are going to start sprinkling them on Scornorth social media, some of the classic songs by the U-Log. But I think we should also sprinkle some of these in on our show throughout uh, the next couple weeks leading up until, until Christmas. So um, if, you want to hear, if you want to hear some classic Christmas tunes about your favorite Minnesota sports teams, the Mackie and Judd Show is where to go.
2: Hobbling around on busted knees. They're the Vikings quarterbacks. First it's Teddy, then Sammy B, and don't forget the running back. Hobbling around on busted knees, but we've got Case to fill the hole. It's hard to believe, but there's still a chance of playing in the Super Bowl. Packer fans have got that jealous feeling, because they see... How much the team sucks without Rodgers, all they have is Brett Hundley. Hobbling around, on busted knees, you'd think that we'd be screwed. But Spielman and Zim built a damn good team, and you'll see us in 52. Keenum down the middle, he goes, and in the end zone, it's caught by Rudolph for the touchdown. Keenum. Sets it up near side and the slide is good for a touchdown. It's right. Keenum keeps it looking for a block. Touchdown, Minnesota. Keenum gonna dump it off. It's a touchdown to the backup tight end, Morgan. Packer fans have got that jealous feeling because they see. How much the team sucks without Rodgers, all they have is Brett Hundley hobbling around on busted knees, you'd think that we'd be screwed, but Spielman and Zim built a damn good team, and you'll see us in 52. You think you like football? John Madden doesn't just like football; he loves football. You see what he did there? See, he had Brown on the play before, where he jacked him up, and then he's going to hit him and take an inside move on him. Charles is like a boxer; everything he does is to set up the next thing he's going to do. Football! Football! Yeah! Yeah. Football! Football! Football. Gotta eat football.
1: and things we learned on NFL Sunday yesterday. A lot happened in yesterday. A lot happening this morning. There's some headlines coming out this morning, uh, including Greg Williams getting fired as defensive coordinator. Judd, uh, let's go around the room a couple times. What's something you learned in NFL Sunday yesterday?
0: I learned that um, it, it is a mess in Philly, and not only might Carson Wentz be done, and Carson Wentz being done would be uh, a contractually a huge deal because there's very little realistic chance that without taking uh, just an enormous cap hit, the Eagles can afford that. But Doug Peterson might be done too. This thing, what, a 30-16 loss to the Packers. Carson Wentz gets uh, benched for Jalen Hurts. I think this might be the beginning of the end for both uh, starting quarterback and coach with a franchise that uh, not that long ago appeared to be in excellent shape and appeared to have its quarterback of the future. I don't know if... I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the guy long term, but I have bigger questions right now if Carson Wentz is too. Philadelphia is a complete and utter mess, and I think it might cost the coach's job.
1: The best thing that can happen out of all of this in 2020 with Carson Wentz, highly paid quarterback, uh, Kirk Cousins has been a lot better the last few weeks, but if we could somehow create a middle class of quarterbacks going forward, that would be amazing. Like if we could, so 2021, for instance, I'm looking ahead to next year. According to OverTheCap.com, these are some of the cap numbers in the league for next year. So Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Ryan are both at 40 million dollar cap numbers next year. Aaron Rodgers 36, Drew Brees 36. I don't think the Mahomes contract kicks in on that level until like maybe 2022 something like that. Then he'll be up in that 40 range. There's all these guys like Goff and Wentz, and Cousins, and Garoppolo, who are like 26, 30, 35 million dollar cap numbers. Mm-hmm. Can we all just like band together NFL front offices and say, guys like Carson Wentz, guys like Jared Goff, you you're definitely still starting quarterbacks, but you're not going to make 15% of our team's salary cap anymore. You're going to make 15 million dollars and still be rich and be able to feed generations
0: of, of kids. We will find out the answer to your question when it comes to the contract of Baker Mayfield. That's the next guy. Because yep. he's not he's not worth what upper echelon quarterbacks make, and yet he will demand that. And And the Browns' success is going to embolden him and his representatives to demand that. And I think the answer to your question comes then because if the browns pay Baker Mayfield what he's going to be asking for and he might get it um they will almost certainly fairly quickly i think regret it regret it so but yeah it's rid- it's ridiculous that we can't have the the great qbs in this bin right and then a middle bin with guys that make 13 14 mil 15 mm-hmm. mil there's nothing wrong with that it's a great payday uh but egos and negotiations and all those things have skewed us to a lot of guys being paid way more than they're worth, which is a problem because we are, as you pointed out, a thousand times before talking about a salary cap league. Mm -hmm. I learned that the New York football
1: jets (laughs) are brilliant at (laughs) self-sabotage, even if the self-sabotage costs you your job. So Greg Williams yesterday, the Jets have the lead with like 10 seconds to go. And I don't remember the exact yardage, but the Raiders had the ball at like the 50 or 45-yard line. And uh, and they maybe they had like two shots at a Hail Mary, basically, to win the game. They were screwed. They were pretty much screwed. So the Jets just have to play classic, prevent, stand at the goal line and knock anything down. If they throw anything underneath, stand at the goal line, go up and make a tackle defense. Yep. Right? Instead, Greg Williams dials up a zero blitz meaning he sends seven pass rushers at Derek Carr. No safety help. Only four defensive backs in coverage. And, of course, Henry Ruggs is one of the fastest receivers in the NFL, gets over the top, catches a 40-yard touchdown pass from Derek Carr, and the Raiders win the game. It's the perfect play call defensively if you're trying to go 0-16 and blow that game. Of course, Greg Williams got fired this morning. For what reason? I don't know. That guy should get a promotion for helping the Jets get that much closer <laughs> to Trevor Lawrence. But here's the most interesting nugget to come out of all of this and the and the Jets cesspool this morning. Boomer Esiason on his WFAN morning show this morning. Now, mind you, he works very closely with Bill Cowher every single Sunday for years and years and years on these pre and post game shows. And he alluded to the fact that Bill Cowher would love to get back into coaching and that the Jets would be the best potential oh, fit if he were to come out of retirement. Are you serious? Wow. Yes. Bill Cower now? Bill Cowher had, now he was he he retired in two thousand six. Yes, and he was a super hot candidate for like two or three years because everyone thought, oh, he's going to take a one year breather, Carolina, and then was, come back. Yes. Right?
0: We all thought that he he was going to the Panthers. And now that it's been fourteen years, oh, and I think God. he's in his
1: sixties, it's like I, I don't know how much sense it makes, but. If Bill Cowher wants to get back into coaching, I would find that very intriguing. Um, we'll see what happens. But that—but I don't think Boomer just floats that out there. He clearly has been talking to Bill Cowher. That's
0: hilarious. So. I would ask Bill Cowher one question. Do you really want the Jets' steam, my man? Do but, you, but, in, but don't you think... At your age, do you really want this? I'm not saying it
1: would work because that's a long time to be out of football. But you know what? John Gruden was out of football for 10 years. People
0: made fun of that hire. And the Raiders are a pretty damn good oh, team now. I'm not now. making fun mm-hmm. of... Bill Cowher being hired. I'm saying, if I was to talk to Bill, I would say, "You got a really comfortable life now. Like you've done well. Um, you really want the Jets job. The Jet. The problem with the Jets and Detroit is the pro. Is the problems with both those teams start at the top. So, like, if you got the job, you still got to deal with the owners who are positively goofy, as far as I'm concerned. So that's the thing. Is I'm not making fun of Cowher. I'm saying if I'm cower, I want nothing to do with that job. Football.
3: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll eat some crow a little bit here, which is by the way a great saying. Um, Cleveland Browns are legit. The Browns pulled off a really good win against the Titans, and I know the Titans marched back a little bit, made it a little interesting in the second half. But the Titans are a damn good team. I think they're right up they're right below the Chiefs and Steelers in the in the tiers of the AFC, and the Browns knocked them off. Baker Mayfield played pretty damn good. I still don't. Like Baker Mayfield, I think his demeanor is crap. At, I agree. The, at the same time, he deserves credit. He played very well yesterday. The Browns are nine and three. They have like a ninety-two percent chance of getting the playoffs. If they're one and done, or if they make a run, it doesn't affect my life one bit. But I will say the Browns are doing all right. Good for you. Yeah, and About I would, time.
1: I, would uh, I would also say Kevin <laughs> Stefanski is one of, is clearly one of the brightest young head coaches in the NFL. Coach of the year, right? Yeah, I mean it's. I mean, It's pretty likely right with that franchise and as good of a coach as Mike Zimmer has been even this year, like turning the Vikings around. I am very jealous that the Browns have landed their Kevin Stefanski uh, young head coach of the future for the next 10 years. This This is kind of the second time this has happened in the last 15 years where the Vikings were sitting on a great young head coaching candidate. And you weren't totally sure about the incumbent guy, but it wasn't a disaster enough to cut Bader in Childress's case with Mike Tomlin. With well, one year in. It's like, oh, he's only a year in. Yeah, you couldn't, yeah. But even though, like, when Mike Tomlin was, like, a finalist for that Steelers job, you're kind of thinking, oh, wow, okay. He, mu- he must be really impressive. He's getting that far in this process. Especially with the Steelers. Nah, he's still the coach there, yeah. Four- 14 seasons in, whatever it is, Thir- 13, 14 seasons.
0: So if you could ha- have uh, your choice today. And you could wave a magic wand, Phil Mackey. How quickly do you replace Zim with Stefanski? I mean, ten times out of
1: ten, right? Yeah, and it's not—it's not necessarily because Zim is a train wreck, but it's just like Stefanski, young offensive yes. mind.
0: every everything you covet. Stefanski probably brings to the table mm-hmm. football. I learned. I learned on Sunday that a quarterback's team can win forty-five to nil with the quarterback actually doing very little through the air. Cam Newton's statistical line in a 45-rip, right, win over the Chargers was this. 12 of 19 for 69 yards with a touchdown. Like, that was his statistical line, and his team completely drubbed the Chargers. It's remarkable. It's 2020. That, That stat line for a blowout win reads like, um, 1969. It reads like 1975, 2020, 12 of 19, 69 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. He also has on the season.
1: So Cam in 11 games started has five touchdown passes, nine interceptions yeah. and that team might go to the playoffs. Super old school. It's amazing that Belichick and Josh McDaniels can just sort of overhaul an offensive scheme to fit a very limited like cam newton is a shell of himself yes and they're basically just running wildcat with a guy that can complete some passes down the field right <laughs> you still kill the chargers yeah, his his running numbers and they don't you know there's no long-term commitment there so they're you know, like they're not worried about like giving him too many carries and so he has already carried the ball more times than he did in his final full season in carolina and they still have a month of games to go so uh, that's what I learned amazing. about quarterback play football. All right. I learned Adrian Peterson still has enough gas in the tank <laughs> to help give his old buddy, Daryl Bevel, his first career win as a head coach, Daryl Bevel, first chance. He's got the clipboard and the headset for the first time. He's been up for jobs before he got some steam early in his Seattle career. Um, had a little steam when he was the Vikings offensive coordinator. This is this was the first official game. He's an interim, but as a head coach in the NFL, and he turns to the trusted and and proven formula of feeding the ball to Adrian Peterson, just like he built his career on yep. 10, 12 years ago. And uh, Adrian Peterson, with his second most carries of the season yesterday, 16, he also scored two touchdowns, <laughs> including the go-ahead touchdown to give the Lions a win in the final seconds.
0: 57 yards, baby. Just grinding, 50. man. How do the Lions, against the once I thought vaunted, right? Bear down Chicago Bears defense. They had 460 yards yeah, of dude, offense. The Bears are out. I don't know how Matt Nagy. They I- have quit so bad. Matt Nagy been fired yet?
3: Not yet. We he was this. supposed to do a We've press conference this, this morning. Three straight Mondays slash Tuesdays. Are like they the just
0: going list. to try to lose now on purpose? To get a well, better the, draft pick. The Bears, is that what we're
3: doing here? Some of the Bears' vent line callers, not the ones that I think are on on, on our show here, but they also were saying that they don't want them to fire Nagy because then they're going to get rejuvenated and win three or three three You're of these right. games. That's what I'm saying.
1: Game. Yeah, you should keep. Yeah, just do that's the, what Detroit do, might have do done. Do the Jets are doing? Yeah, yeah. Detroit's going to cost themselves. I mean, Detroit has had plenty of high draft picks, though. So this is true. I think they could probably take a year
3: off. All right, one Football. more. Yeah. Uh, Colt McCoy. How does Colt McCoy step in? And I know Seattle's not a great team, but Colt McCoy, I think, has just made like two or three starts dating all the way back to 2014. Steps in for Danny Dimes of, of the New York Giants yesterday and leads them to a 17-12 classic ugly New York Giants win against a very good Seahawks team. And McCoy goes 13-22, a buck 05, a touchdown, a pick, 4.8 yards per attempt. I mean, he was he was useless. Uh, their running game was was their bread and butter yesterday, but... How the hell Colt McCoy was able to beat a Seahawks team, is, it's kind of confusing to me. It is
1: kind of funny. The Seahawks are so weird, too, because I could still, as as much as they've hiccuped the last month or so, I could still see them just getting it all together and going to the Super Bowl. I don't think they would beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but they're just they're just weird. If Russell Wilson's off for like three weeks, then they lose to teams like the Giants, and that's what's happening here. It is, as Sid Hartman used to say, crazily? Crazy? League? Crazy, league? crazy? How do you figure Football. it out? It is crazy. League. Hey, uh, before we bolt for the day here, and by the way, check out Purple Daily for our, all of our Viking statements. Uh, let's let's do what we have to bring up, Declan and I, a what are we watching show to the table for Judd to help analyze. Are you caught up on this,
3: Dex? Yep, all caught up. I think the finale's tomorrow. Oh, it's yeah, only got, seven episodes. It, it looks like it's setting up to be the finale tomorrow.
1: The show Judd is called A Teacher. Yeah, I've heard of it. FX on Hulu. Yes. And it stars Kate Mara, who's... My, my, Been in Declan's my, fantasies for a long time. Long time. I don't know if if in this context, maybe it makes it even more it's, scandalous. It's a little bit more on brand, yes. Yep. So the premise of the show, it's a seven episode miniseries and it goes into full detail. It, it, I don't know if it's based on an actual true story, but it's based on like multiple true stories like this. Hmm. A high school teacher having an affair with her 17 soon to turn 18 year old student. And it like it is like, Uncomfortable details and scenes and everything you could ever imagine. Like all the things you would wonder like, oh, how would that work out? How would their text message exchanges go? They Explain it like they like go through all of the uncomfortable details. Oh, how would he lie to his parents and his best friends about like where he was over the weekend? Is it, like, the most uncomfortable show you've ever watched, or are you finding it enjoyable, Declan?
3: I'm an, I'm enjoying it. I, I, <laughs> I don't find it too uncomfortable. It's one of those shows where I could not. Um, I'm glad I'm doing it a week by week. Like, I could not binge this show. I definitely could not binge it. It would be way too hard to binge it because uh, I couldn't do consecutive episodes like this. But everything about the show is so entertaining. And then even how it's shot, like, they, they're using taboos, like, uh, the way the camera looks like they'll have the iPhone screen on on the camera on like on the show, Judge. So it's like you're looking at like exactly what you'd be looking at on a text message on your phone. It's shot really uniquely. Um, the music is really good. It's really on brand from when I was in high school and college. So it's it's a little close to home. Dude, it is. Well, personal experience there, Dex? No, no, not personal experience. Oh, I thought you were um, saying it hits a little that close would, to home. I thought maybe something. No, else? no, yeah, no. What no. does that mean? The underlying yeah. tones like the 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 social taboos of cell phones, the music. The other things involved in the show, it, it reminds me of high school and college.
1: God. Especially, yeah, this is kind of a smaller town. This isn't like you know Eden Prairie. No situation. This it, is like not. a little bit of a s- smaller town kind of a deal where everybody knows each other for the most part. Yeah, for the most. So, part. Uh, what are we watching? We're watching a very <laughs> scintillatingly scandalous Kate show Mara about Kate Mara. Kate Mara, and and the so she's in like her mid to late thirties. Yeah, and the actor that plays the seventeen-year-old. I was curious. I'm like, yeah. Is this like an actual high school kid? They're like <laughs> acting these scenes out. Apparently he's in his early, he's like 24. Yeah. Which would still be
3: a little weird if you are acting these scenes yeah. out and you're like pretending that he's your student. Then again, uh, our former governor just married someone who was like 44 years younger than him. Did you guys see yeah, that? Yeah, did you guys see that? Yeah, Governor yeah. Dayton married a
0: 32-year-old? Yeah. Good for hey. good for Mark. Good gig if you can get it. Good for Mark. It's fine, fine stuff. Um, 24 is not not bad.
3: I mean, it's 13. It's bad when,
0: it's bad when yeah. you're like. Twenty nine and still trying to play a high school student—that's a little bit odd. But twenty four is strange, okay.
3: But, but yeah, Kate Mara, man.
0: Does this get you to want to watch the show, Judd? Would Dawn like it? I. Get, she started to watch the Queen's Gambit last oh, night. Oh, dude, Everyone, we should talk about that. Um, Everyone, loves that is excellent. It. The music is outstanding. Yeah, the sixties—it's it's, it's all music 60s, that they yeah. use. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good stuff. I love those. That songs. is
1: legitimately so. I saw a note. Let me find this. I took. A she said job. it's really
0: good though. So the
1: Queen's Gambit is about it's about a an orphan woman and it, this is a fictional story too, but it's about an orphan kid and she learns how to play chess from the janitor at the orphanage. She develops a drug and alcohol problem and overcomes all these things and or just like plays through these things yep. to become this chess master. Yep. And it's a, it's a miniseries, but here's the coolest thing: the Netflix effect. According to some random, oh, this is the chive on Facebook. So the Queen's Gambit. Debuts on Netflix on October 23rd, 2020. So what, six weeks ago. Mm -hmm. To date, 62 million households have watched the show. Inquiries for chess sets are up 250% on eBay over that time. Google search queries for how to play chess has hit an all-time high in nine years. That's awesome. The original novel, The Queen's Gambit, is now a New York Times bestseller 37 years after its release and the number of new players on chess.com has multiplied by 5.
0: Really? Over the last 6 weeks because of this show. I mean I, I buy it but that's still intriguing. That's That's a great show. Stuff. I learned
3: to play like when I was in middle school and high school and I actually used to play a, a good amount like on on my old iPod touch from back in the day. But you would just
1: play random people on the internet yeah. or what?
3: Yeah, or I would play the computer. Um but I haven't picked it up in like 10 12 years. I don't know if I could I don't know if I remember how to play it as much. Mm. I know what some of the guys do but I don't know if I I'd, I'd have to get another lesson.
1: I used to play cribbage all the time. I grew up playing
0: cribbage. Yeah,
3: I can't do that one. I can't do it. I've tried so many times to try to play cribbage. Too much I, math I, or what? Too much math and, uh, yeah, not a fan. I hate games. Yeah, I hate, games, I hate games too. And you know what? I absolutely what, hate like, what, what, what people... I hate board games. I hate all games. Here, here's right. my thing too. I
0: have no problem games.
3: sitting there watching my friends play the game. Like I never Do feel you? the need to like want to be involved, and I'm just enjoying being around. Are friends. you guys
0: like uncomfortable losing? Or no, no, I just hate it. It bores me.
3: Yeah, just it doesn't. It doesn't. Dawn's bore me. family
0: loved board games, and she <sighs> loved to play. And I was always like, "This is so stupid. What a so, waste of time. Let's go know. drink."
1: I'm super competitive, but Judd, you're competitive too. Like in a in a, in work and everything. Yeah. Like I'm super competitive, and that translates to if I'm going to play a video game, like I need to know how to play it. But so my I can patience, win, right? but my yeah. patience
0: grows thin very quickly. Same. And like with board games or cards, I I don't know. There's just something about it that to me is mind-numbingly boring. And mm-hmm. I don't know exactly why, but I just I hate I really hate board. So games. That's the key to poker. So
1: I used to play poker all the time and and play poker for rent money for like three years, like uh-huh. back in the online boom. Uh-huh. And the key to poker is quite literally. Don't get bored and make an idiot mistake. Like if you can just in, in a tournament, a lot of people will sit there. Some of these tournaments, especially the the in-person tournaments that can take like a World Series of Poker tournament, even the preliminary ones might be like four day tournaments. And so you sit there for 10, 12 hours a day. Uh-huh. And You know, on hour 17. Eh, well, I'm getting kind of bored. I'm just going to play this hand and see what happens. Like that's literally what happens sometimes. So just don't get bored. That's
0: the key to which means I can't play. Because I would get bored, and then I'd make a stupid mistake, and then I would lose all my money. Uh, maybe we should have
1: a, a Mackie and Judd chess tournament, see what no. happens. No. No.
0: No, I just said I don't want to participate. You can.
1: Dex <laughs> is out, it sounds like. Yeah, I'm out. All right. Well, that's a wrap on Mackie yeah. and Judd. If you guys have any other suggestions on what we should watch over the weekend and talk about it on Monday, let us know. Just tweet us. What at film? Phil Mackie.
0: One. Hmm? Hmm? For, for um, a- action movie rewind what film tango won? and cash oh a I blowout
1: know. victory okay. in the voting i think it, it garnered 39 percent of the vote among the four wow. options
0: 144 gentlemen 144 is all you got so tango and
1: cash for action movie rewind on friday all right we'll see you guys uh don't forget purple daily seven day a week vikings discussions apple spotify score and also youtube.com slash purple daily podcast and since we're plugging we are very close to 2,000 subscribers on our new YouTube channel, ScoreNorthMN, youtube.com ScoreNorthMN. And uh, if you could help us boost up to
4: 2,000 followers, we would appreciate it. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama.